Welcome to a special pandemic episode of King of the Cast, the pro wrestling podcast about pro wrestling for pro wrestling fans. Uh, today's episode will be a bit different from our normal panel type episode. Instead, it'll be kind of a one-on-one with uh, me and Mr. Greg Hereford uh, asking each other four questions. We're going to call these episodes four questions. I'll shoot Greg four questions. He'll shoot me four questions about professional wrestling, and we'll kind of see what we come up with. Now, normally we take about a month or so to research our King of the Cast uh, topics, uh, but this is a no-research-based episode, so we'll just kind of see what Mr. Greg has to say when I ask him four questions, and, I'll, and you'll find out what I say when he asks me four. So, Greg, are you ready for your first of four questions? Ready to go, brother. Now, I mentioned to you uh, previously that I've been reading a book called Kayfabe by Sean Oliver, which I would uh, greatly recommend to anyone out there. It's a really good look inside, inside the world of professional wrestling, but uh, in that book, uh, they talk a lot about Gary Hart. Actually, there's a part I just read recently about Gary Hart. And uh, thanks to you, Mr. Greg, I learned a lot about Gary Hart in our manager's episode. So thank you. That gave me a lot of uh, background. And that kind of led me to your first question, which is, um, what is it about pro wrestling that's kept you interested for so long? Um, well, I've had times where I've not been real tuned in. It's kind of gone in cycles and waves. Um, and it, sometimes it might even be just things, seasons of life for myself. Uh, it may not be so much about the wrestling business, but I think the thing that initially drew me to it and still does um, are the characters. And, and so I'm, I'm a people person. And so what initially drew it drew me to it was um, the characters and the, how, how creative and, and just people that you didn't normally maybe see uh, their, their, their ways of which were uh, maybe different and uh, kind of made you interested in watching. I, I grew up watching the wrestling produced and done out of Memphis by Jerry Jarrett, um, Jerry Lawler, Bill Dundee, Jimmy Hart, um, and that that was just really, really well done. And then the character, any time that the characters that the, of the wrestlers are developed, I always just find that to be very, very interesting. And so I, I've enjoyed um, that. That's probably what draws me uh, closer, closer to it. And and um, uh, you're speaking of Gary Hart. What the Gary Hart was really very super talented and had contributed to wrestling in so many ways. But one of the things that Gary Hart did, especially the, uh, the people he was managing and that he was with, he always had really good backstories and could bring it. I remember the great Kabuki. Uh, he would always have great stories about why he painted his face. Uh, the reason for the mist that he, he, uh, spit or blew out of his mouth uh, before the matches and sometimes on on other people, opponents. There was always uh, kind of like an own folklore and mythology backstories told. And so I, I, those that are done really well, that's the reason why we were interested in movies and stories and book books, entertainment. It's just the, 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 the power of those things uh, that develops the, the character. So that, that, that's my main reason, uh, I think, that keeps bringing me back. Speaking of great characters, I, I recently saw a picture of you with uh, 
uh, I guess you call it handsome Jimmy Valiant or maybe the Boogie Woogie Man, whatever you want to call Ooh, it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and seeing you in that picture made me think about, you know, different times that I've got to meet wrestlers and so forth. And I was wondering if uh, there was a, a wrestler that uh, you'd like to tell us a story about that you've met. Rick, it would probably, I mean, it would be that one. I have not had the fortune to meet a lot of wrestlers. I met Handsome Jimmy last fall, last October. I just saw something on social media saying that he was going to be at a sports card memorabilia shop in Elizabethtown, Elizabethtown, Kentucky. I wish I could remember the full name of it. I think it was Legend. Uh, the owners, I remember his first name was Greg. I would love to give him some publicity. Uh, got, got a great shop. I've never seen, he's got a ton of wrestling figures and memorabilia, a lot of NASCAR stuff along with other sports, but he was doing like a, a, a signing and I just happened to have that day off and I drove down to Elizabethtown just to meet handsome Jimmy because I'm kind of at a stage in life where I've got a little bit more time and I, I probably means more to me now at 48 at meeting handsome Jimmy than it would have been at nine, 10, 11, 12 years old or something. So, uh, he, he was just phenomenal. Uh, very, very cool. I like helping these guys as well. I, you know, I won't tell you how much I spent because my wife is in the other room. She'll probably, she'd probably come in and do a tomahawk chop or something on me. Let's face it. A lot of these old timers, there is no pension and they did a lot to entertain me as a kid. And so, um, uh, he had some books and some different DVDs and memorabilia and things. And so I, 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 I like to pick up some of those. And we were just there together for about 10 or 15 minutes alone and with the owner of the card shop. And that's it. So we got to talk 10 or 15 minutes about wrestling. We even, uh, on my uh, phone, we videoed, we, we cut with one take our very own, uh, Memphis style from the eighties, uh, promo video which about 30 45 seconds which was really 30 45 seconds it was really cool and uh, yeah once that camera came on man handsome jimmy went from this laid-back guy to in character man and uh, it, it was just really neat and um, i look forward to i'd like to try to catch some of the other uh, meet and greets and stuff um i think that'd be neat but really cool but no handsome jimmy would be one of my only ones, but it's going to be hard to top because just the, the amount of time it, it, we got to spend, and he was just so genuine, so nice, loving guy, and uh, hope to meet him again. We we talked about connecting back up, maybe as maybe y'all know I'm a pastor, and we talked about maybe him if he was in the area, maybe speaking to like a, a, a larger men's group if we get a few churches together um, for a men's retreat or something. So who knows? But it was really cool. We've talked a little bit about this in the past, um, just as as the cast has been sitting around talking, and everybody tries to make their Mount Rushmore of wrestling, and I think it is extremely difficult to make a Mount Rushmore out of all of professional wrestling. So I'm going to narrow it down to uh, the area of wrestling that I know you know a ton about. So I want you to, to give me your Mount Rushmore of Memphis wrestling. Okay. Okay. I've had time... Uh... Uh, I've thought about this in a, uh, for a while. I mean, you would have to, Jackie Fargo was before my time, but he was still very influential. And Fargo, Jackie Fargo was kind of the guy who passed the baton to Jerry Lawler. 
So you've got to put those two guys and putting those two guys together, man, that spans several decades. You got to put Bill Dundee in there. Um, Bill Dundee was always right there with Jerry Lawler, kind of his, kind of like his foil. And those two went back and forth for, for many, many years. It's really hard to pick a fourth wrestler. I was just thinking about this. I mean, you think of names, Handsome Jimmy, uh, he was in and out some of the area. Dutch Mantel, a great, great mind for the business and, uh, uh, would be a strong person there. Tommy Rich, who began his career there and then went on to success throughout the South and the NWA. Uh, Austin Idol, who I think if we ever do an episode of underrated wrestlers, why, you know, certain wrestlers that should have probably gotten a bigger break, but didn't. Um, Austin Idol would be on that, but I'd have to put for the fourth one. If we're putting personalities or people, I got to go with Lance Russell. Man, he's uh, he was just uh, a great, great announcer, and because he had done sports and been a TV on-air personality in the Memphis area, he brought a lot of credibility um, to what they were doing, and. It's so funny now to watch him on some of the old uh, Memphis tapes, the mayhem going on, Lance Russell trying to restore some order. So um, I'm going to put Lance Lance Russell uh, in there with uh, Jackie Fargo, Jerry Lawler, Bill Dundee, Lance Russell. That's, that's my four. Now, you might not know this, but I regular, regularly see a Memphis wrestler at the gym where I work out. <laughs> No way. Yeah, I do. Um, and um, if you can uh, look it up on YouTube. It's rather hilarious. Uh, um, Is it John Hoyt? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I was trying to find out whatever happened to him. Yeah, he, he, he works here. He, he's a police officer here in Versailles. Oh, my gosh. I've got some funny stories on him. And I see him rather regularly at the at the gym, still working out and so forth, still in great shape. Um, can I can I give you just a, like a quick soundbite about Johnny Wilhoyt? Is it going to be about the wonderful video of him riding four wheelers around that's, uh, in his promo? For- yeah, that was him. That was him and one of the Batten twins. And I think it was at Jerry Jarrett's home. He had a big like ranch outside of Nashville. But uh, Johnny Wilhoyt, I think he got started in the Poffos. ICW thing here in Lexington, but man, he he looked like a million bucks. He had a good physique. He was always uh, tan and um, good athlete. You could tell he's a good athlete. He had one of the worst. Um, he had hit some of the worst promos ever. I mean, he he was he he, he was struggling. So they would always have somebody else talk. But uh, I don't know what happened to his career because. Had some momentum, I would guess about 84, 85-ish. Uh, he was tagged up with one of the Batten twins. They were called the New Generation. Yes. Tojo Yamamoto was their manager. And they, they, they weren't, they, they weren't heels. They were good guys. Um, baby faces, but yeah, I don't know where out, but I had wondered what had happened to him. Um, interesting. Yeah, I'll, uh, I've never brought it up to him. Um, 
<laughs> the wrestling thing. I, I, right, I, we need to have them on. We I know. We, we definitely do. I just never never brought it up. Um, but I will. I'll, I'll get the... He, 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 he had a promise. I would think... I, you know, it, it, it had to be something maybe where he decided, I, I would just take a guess that he decided to get out of the business because he had a lot on the ball. Like I said, he had really poor mic skills, but... Um, Man, he, he I think he was a good worker and he looked great. I mean he was a he was definitely an athlete and did I thought he did very well in the ring. Um, I thought you might find that interesting. But. Oh yeah. That that I, I've been look I've been doing internet searches trying to find out, you know, where where did he go? He kind of fell off the map. So he's right that, here. That, that's awesome. <laughs> Um, that leads me to our last question, my last question of our four for you today. And that is, uh, during this uh, pandemic, it's, uh, wrestling's changed a lot on TV and uh, how it's being produced and so forth. And I just want to know what uh, has caught your attention uh, during this change for everything, really, but certainly in the world of, of professional wrestling as it's how it's produced on TV. Well, I've watched a little bit of the WWE. I did watch the second night, Sunday night of WrestleMania. And I really do appreciate the effort that the wrestling groups are, are trying to do under difficult circumstances. It's not easy. It cannot be easy performing to empty, you know, empty buildings, no fans. So I, I give the WWE a lot of credit for going on with WrestleMania, and um, I'll just give you a little heads up. That's going to be one of my questions to you, so I won't dwell on that. But I'm, I'm, I follow All Elite Wrestling closer. I'm a little bit more of a fan of that than any other wrestling right now. And I noticed during this pandemic with their tapings, they have gone to a smaller venue. I believe it's a gym. I believe it's QT Marshall's gym somewhere in Georgia. And uh, I like the fact, I don't know if it's like a Georgia State thing where they have, they're allowed to have some people there, but they have some of the other wrestlers that are in the crowd um, cheering, cheering them on. There's some back and forth that happens between the wrestlers that are coming in and the wrestlers that are watching. Um, and that makes for, a, it's the best that you can do in the environment that we're in. And so I've enjoyed that. And I've been, I've, I've seen for all elite, like I said, I, I, I watched them more closely than anybody. When they began their TV on TNT on Wednesday night, the Wednesday night dynamite program, they've been shooting live on Wednesday nights from smaller arenas, you know, with a few thousand people in attendance and they've had like, they've had mostly matches, not a lot of promos, not a lot of, and like main event level matches. This has kind of forced AEW to go back. They're having some squash matches where they're bringing in an indie wrestler or a local guy or girl there in Georgia or somewhere and they're basically enhancement talent. And so that's allowed us to see as they brought in like a Lance Archer and kind of, you know, they fed these enhancement talents kind of to the wolves. But um, so there's been some squash matches, which they haven't had. 
that helps build some momentum. They've had some time to do a little bit more promos and vignettes about the backstory of some of these wrestlers. That's been very well done. Um, you've had the whole Matt Hardy thing, and I've re- I, had, I did not know, and, and we don't have time to get into it, oh my goodness, about this broken Matt Hardy and this, all this character. That's quite a, quite a thing. Um, and uh, they've, they've, they've had the um, exalted one of the Dark Order has been revealed, and that, of course, is the former Luke Harper, Brody Lee. They've shot a lot of promos on that. So they've probably done very well. Like they caught, they built an audience with some great in-ring work back starting in October right up until when this pandemic starts. Now they're kind of like building up some more stars. They've launched a TV tournament for a TNT belt that I think has been a pretty good idea. Um, so I think they've been able to build some momentum. The only thing I haven't liked, I did not like that they had Josh Hager wrestle John Moxley for the title a few weeks ago. And I felt like that was maybe a little premature and Moxley won. I don't think it made, made Hager look a lot weaker, but I think it puts him kind of in a position. He's not this unbeatable monster that he once was. So I wish they would have waited on that some, but they do want to give the fans some, some things uh, to enjoy. So I, I think AEW's handled it pretty well uh, about the best that, that could be, but you really need the fans. It's, it's amazing how uh, without a crowd, it, it's, it's, it's a different feel. Yeah, I definitely feel like, uh, you know, wrestling's all about crowd reaction and in, in both a baby face and a heel. And that's how we know who's who and how the crowd reacts. And um, it is has been really interesting to watch it without it. It's a little bit like watching other sports practices, I guess, um, which is not a, nearly as exciting as a game. But uh, it has been interesting uh, along the way. So, all right, well, those, those are your four questions. I guess it's my turn to uh, step up to the plate and uh, see how I do. With four All right, I'm going to ask you about WrestleMania. What were your thoughts on this year's WrestleMania? What was what you liked the most and what you liked the least? Well, first off, I mean, just like you said, I was excited that something happened. Um, there are people on both sides of the fence on that, saying that you know they shouldn't have done it at all uh, because it really wasn't WrestleMania or or whatever, but with people yearning for something to watch, something to entertain them in this situation, I thought since they were able to figure out a way to actually make it happen, doing a WrestleMania was a way to draw eyes and give people something to, to look forward to and something to enjoy. With that being said, of course, it wasn't anything like a regular WrestleMania. And splitting over two nights was probably a good idea because when you're watching wrestling without fans and without the reactions and, and things like that, it in my personal opinion, it gets boring rather quickly. And if they'd have done that for five, six straight hours, I don't think many of us, including myself, would have made it all the way through. So splitting it up into two probably was a really good idea. So I did like that um, aspect of it. Um, and the first night, uh, so many people went crazy about Undertaker and AJ Styles. And um, and the production-type match like that, kind of like a Matt Hardy-style, uh, a broken Matt Hardy-style match, uh in the past is for me, it's not really something that 
I'm really into. I'm much more into the in the ring work and and watching guys uh, master their craft in the ring. So the the highly produced type match outside of the ring really isn't my thing. But I thought it was entertaining uh, for sure, and I thought both guys gave it their all uh, to try to make that match entertaining. And in a world where yes, if we'd have put AJ Styles and the Undertaker currently in the ring together. We're probably going to get a pretty quick match with the Undertaker uh, not really being able to put in long, long matches. So it probably would have been. I don't think AJ looks as good in that match in the ring because he's got to play to the Undertaker, and so it gave AJ a chance to look really strong. Um, unfortunately, it was the last time we saw Gallows and Anderson, um, mm-hmm. and then they were released. So. Uh, and I thought they were they did really well in that in that setting and, and made it entertaining. So but the first night I really thought the match that stole the, the show was the triple threat ladder match. Um, it was an interesting concept because it was for the tag titles. Uh, and then they reversed it and used this each single and the opposite to for a tag match on uh, Raw. But um, I thought all three of the uh, uh, people in that match did a great job. And and, and uh, John Morrison, I, I've always enjoyed watching him wrestle and in that type of match, I think he just really flourishes. Um, so I was uh, excited to see him and the Miz get the get the belts, and then of course they lost it again uh, when they did the match the other way, and the Miz was in the match. But um, I, I really enjoyed that match. The uh, second night, I'll be honest, I felt like it felt a little more flat um, than the first night. The Ed, I was really looking forward to Edge and Orton, and while it was a solid, you know idea concept i guess it just felt like it went on forever uh i felt like it was about 10 minutes too long um too much of a good thing i guess is what you would say but it's probably the match that stood out the most to me I, uh in the in the second night that you know i probably enjoyed watching the most um i felt like i was excited after night one to see you know the excitement of night two with some of the bigger name matches coming up and then it was a little felt a little let down and maybe that was just me getting my hopes up uh, a little too high in the current situation, but um, I did. I did. You know, I was excited that Drew McIntyre got the belt over uh, Lesnar. I uh, felt like it was time for Drew. You know, it's Drew's time, and unfortunately for him, it's a time when uh, fans aren't in the stands and and stuff like that, and really can't carry the momentum as easily. So it'll be a tough tough for him to carry that momentum with the championship in this situation. And I hope it doesn't come back to hurt him. But it was good to see a guy go from. You know, so promising in a young career to simply disappearing because, as in his own words, um, in the past, just saying a little bit too full of himself and coming back so strong and working his way to the top and to get that big WrestleMania moment. Unfortunately, it was in this in this situation when I think he really deserved a real WrestleMania moment um, for all his you know his hard work and stuff. But that's probably my thoughts overall on WrestleMania. I didn't want to go into match by match there, but um, I thought, you know, just one more thing I like to say, I thought the, the women's matches were solid. Every one of them. I thought they put in tremendous work. I, I really enjoyed Ripley and um, Charlotte's match. I thought it was. I thought Charlotte and Ripley was really the best match I saw on Sunday night. Yeah. I thought that was a, a tremendous match. And there it was a really good, uh, the opener opening match of, of WrestleMania overall on Saturday night was a, a, a I think it was a triple threat. No, or yeah, I think so. Maybe it was, it was three. It was three tag teams, I believe. Um, and it was an excellent match. So, um, 
I mean, I felt like the performers brought it. I felt like they put everything into it. I don't feel like they phoned it in or acted like it wasn't a real WrestleMania. So I was, you know, excited, like I said, kind of excited that it happened for sure. Yeah, I, I give them a lot of praise for, for doing it. And, and, and it, it had to be difficult. It had to be difficult. And it's easy for us to nitpick and the theatrical stuff, but I think, the Undertaker, AJ Styles, and the Bray Wyatt, John Cena was a little different, but you know they were they were trying some different things. And I, uh, I will say in the John Cena thing, though, it was really cool to see him in his in his old characters, especially like his OVW character. Um, you know, dressed like his OVW character, his dude, his Doctor of Thugonomics uh, character a little bit, which was is neat to see. And then them even kind of hint some things that like him being the NWO and stuff that didn't actually happen in real life. I thought it was rather, rather cleverly written, I guess you could say, and, and had a lot of well done. Ideas. Um, I enjoyed it. A lot of people, a lot of my friends that we talked back and forth about it really didn't. Um, some of them are so hardcore against Cena no matter what, but um, I actually really enjoyed it. And uh, it was a little nostalgic, I guess, with the OVW stuff. And I was a big OVW fan back in those days and, Went to some pretty cool shows over in Louisville. Um, they're on the Batista and, and Cena and uh, Randy Orton era of OVW. And so that was pretty cool to see. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm going to stick, I'm going to keep with the WWE theme. Um, in light of the recent layoffs uh, that has taken place with the company, if you could pick, if you could pick one talent, in ring talent, and I'm, I'm going to say that could either be an individual or a tag team, and then one non-in-ring talent, as in trainer or backstage, um, uh, coach, whatever. Who who would that be? If you're Rick Carr making a decision, like if you could draft off this list for your own wrestling organization. Well, I guess it would depend on, you know, what organization I was in. I mean, I think um, in-ring talent, the first one that kind of jumps to my mind would be uh, Luke, uh, well, Brody Lee, if you want to call him that, his old tag team partner, um, whose name is escaping me at the moment, unfortunately, as I'm trying to think on the phone. Eric Rowan. There we go. Eric um, He would be one to be interesting to bring into AEW. I'm not one for trying to recreate the same thing. But he is a true monster of a, of a person and has a, has a good amount of in-ring talent for his size. Um, and they're, they're an organization that doesn't really have many giants. So I think he would, would, could be that giant for them, um, and put on some pretty good matches. So he's one that I would look at if I'm looking to pick people up. I mean, there's so many. They release so many people, and so many people have such different uh, talents and different ways of, of doing things. I mean, I, I was really surprised at Gallows and Anderson and um, being released, and I think they done, they did so many really cool things over in New Japan that, uh, you know, people could build off those characters instead of the characters that they've played in, um, in WWE would, would be kind of neat for people. Somebody could build their own Bullet Club pretty quickly with those two if, if they wanted to, and that would be cool, but um, when it comes to trainers, I, I was probably the most disappointed uh, that Fit Finley was let go. Um, I'm hoping that was just a situation that um, where he comes right back on 
uh, when they need trainers. I understand it's a business. I understand that right now they're not able to train people in their training center the way they, they used to, and they really don't need those, you know, and I get it. There's going to be furloughs and so forth in this situation when you're a major corporation. So I totally understand the situation. I, I just feel like Fitz done an amazing job training the, the women of wrestling today to become such amazing in-ring talents and the psychology of, of the ring is, is definitely a part of what they do nowadays. And that was very evident at WrestleMania. And I know that Finley's a big part of that um, as he's, as they're training so, as they come up. So he's probably the one that if I'm, tra- if I'm AEW and I'm trying to, I was going to ask you, yeah, if, you're, if you're, yeah. And I'm if you're Cody Rhodes and Tony Khan, Right. You, you you make a call to Fit Finley first? I probably would. I'd probably try to get Fit and Serena Deeb and have them try to come do with the, you know, the women's talent that AEW has to try to uh, get them to get up to that level that WWE's talent has been able to get to under their uh, under training under those two. I think that would be a, a huge uh, steal away from WWE if that were to happen. I'm I, I really don't think it will. I think we're probably more in a situation with those types that are saying, hey, when this all ends, you're welcome back, and they wouldn't want to burn that bridge. But, um, but yeah, that would definitely be if I could take anyone as a trainer-wise. Those are probably the two I'd take if I'm trying to build a women's division for sure. Okay. Interesting. Interesting stuff. Well, um, staying with the same theme, what what does – What's the one or two biggest moves, any kind of direction, creative, whatever, that you think the WWE needs to do right now? Well, I I think what happened personally recently, I think what's happened since Cena, I don't think the torch was ever truly passed to anyone. I think maybe, you know, you know, you think of WWE and its huge success has always been around one major character. Every now and then you've had kind of that side character, that second character character that's been huge like for instance you think about the Hulk Hogan days and obviously Hulk Hogan is is the biggest ever but when I was growing up it was to me it was Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior so you had your big Hogan fans and you had your big Ultimate Warrior fans so they're both baby faces at the time so you're not talking about good guy versus bad guy you're talking about being able to promote two major baby faces Hogan with with the main title and and then Ultimate Warrior with more the Intercontinental title they always did a really great job of doing that back in the 80s and the early 90s as well of kind of pushing somebody to the top of those two area of those two belts, um, and so then the torch is passed, obviously to, um, in, in my mind, obviously you're Shawn Michaels and, and Bret Hart, and then on from them to Stone Cold and The Rock, and then on to John Cena, probably Triple H in my mind is is another big uh, kind of standard bearer of of a, of a you know, era of wrestling, but since then. Uh, I guess the attempt is that Brock Lesnar's that person. Um, maybe maybe Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns is the is the idea behind it, but I don't thought, feel like either one has had that kind of fan momentum behind them that the people I mentioned from the past have. So while they've pushed Roman Reigns and pushed Brock Lesnar to the top and put him with the belts and put him in major storylines and things like that, and you know they're certainly both very very talented um, performers. I don't feel like the fans have ever bought into it the way they bought into some of those ones I, I, I said in the past. Um, the fans were really wanting to buy in um, to Dean Ambrose or Moxley at the time. 
And that probably held, and, and probably even more so Seth Rollins, that kind of held Roman Reigns back. And then, of course, Brock Lesnar being kind of a part-time employee yeah. has probably got the fans to keep, you know, from really uh, getting behind him in a way. So, and then I don't really feel like you can you can do that type of thing with a Bray Wyatt-style character. Um, I think, you know, I, I really don't think that style character belongs um in that, I think they belong in WWE. Definitely, WWE is amazing at creating that type of character, but they're not the ones who carry the the wrestling part of it. Um, that's more the entertainment side. So, I just feel like um, they're missing that person right now. That that the that the entire WWE universe, as they would call it, is behind. And um, you know, for a little bit, it was Becky Lynch. To be honest. There was a little time there where everybody was behind Becky, but now that's even turning a little bit to where you're you're seeing stuff come out about it. You know, is it time to back off of, of Becky Lynch a little bit? Um, so I don't know. Um, I think that's kind of where WWE's been struggling is to find that character that the entire fan base can really get behind. Um, and I really feel like they've been doing that since Cena. Because um, people can say what they want to about Cena, but I've been to plenty of shows where Cena was the main man of that show, and man, that crowd. And I know it's the younger, the younger wrestling fan, but man, that they would pop when he came down. They were buying his merchandise like crazy, <laughs> no matter what color it was that week. Um, yeah, they had his armbands and headbands and T-shirts on, and so um, I'm hoping that a character comes along like that that everybody wants their T-shirt, everybody wants. You know, uh, to cheer when they when they come through the curtain, so to speak. So, I think that's. Do you see that being Drew McIntyre? Maybe. Um, to me, Drew's a monster. So, I mean, he's an ever loving, huge human being in the mm-hmm. ring and dwarfs so many people. And so, he kind of more to me plays that Undertaker role, um, where somebody will upset him and then he'll show back up and win the title, and somebody will upset him and show mm-hmm. back in the title. Uh, I don't see him as a guy that you put the title on for a really, really long time. They don't tend to do that with the monsters. So um, it's more so, uh, like I said, like a Seth Rollins style that they've done that with. So I don't know, maybe. I mean, he. I think I think Drew does a great promo. I think he's funny uh, at times and uh, can, can go find himself some here and there and uh, puts a good match on with another big man, puts a good match on with – uh, you know, faster, smaller talent. So maybe I would, I would think it'd be awesome if he, if it is. All right. Hey, last, last, this last question here. What's the best thing that you've watched or read about wrestling during this time off the pandemic? Well, let's see. Um, best thing I've watched or read. Well, like I said, I've been reading that kayfabe book and I, I really, I really enjoy it. Um, it's this book is particularly about um, uh, Sean Oliver and how he uh, started up the the idea that he had with a friend was to um, get wrestlers to just show up and watch old matches and talk about them uh, was kind of his original idea and he said we video that and put it on the internet and uh, people want to watch it and um, so he would show up at things like conventions and so forth and kind of piggyback on. Um, wrestlers already being there and then hire them to come in and basically watch wrestling with him uh, and talk about the matches. And that led to um, him doing some shows where they did fantasy booking, which is really, really interesting read. And that book is about them bringing in 
former bookers and having them fantasy book matches uh, or, or mm-hmm. thing, giving them a list of wrestlers and saying, hey, who would you take and how, how would you book the show and, 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 and talk about that. And that's been kind of a fascinating part of that book as well. And uh, just kind of hearing about and reading the stories about the different uh, wrestlers, the different talents and when they would come in and how they would act or the things they would want, you know, the, uh, in order to do the show or, or how excited they would be to do the show or not excited they were. Um, and just kind of how that works, you know, working through the man, through like actual real managers, uh, like business managers, yeah. and, um, and getting the talent on and, um, to talk about stuff and, um, and, you know, and just, I think that's a really neat idea that those two guys had in the past. And, um, you know, and it was, it was a time before, like now, I mean, we're one of probably a quarter million or more, uh, yeah. uh wrestling podcasts. And so this is rather common now but that was a time when it wasn't so this was really outside the box thinking to say hey somebody will actually want to buy this and somebody actually want to sponsor us or so forth to do this um and you know and i'd say that that kind of led to what we have today which is where a lot of you know different people are trying different things and i would say that wrestling is one of your more popular um subjects to create podcasts and and things on youtube about um so it, it was, it's kind of neat. That's been a really good book. So if you want to hunt it down, it has a really long title. It's something like kayfabe. And then the, uh, the stories you shouldn't tell about from the professional wrestling business, something like that it has a really long title after most people just call it kayfabe. But, uh, um, that's been probably reading wise, um, watching wise, uh, I'll be honest. It's been hard for me to watch. Like I said, I did watch WrestleMania. I am looking forward to money in the bank and seeing how this whole match and inside the, Titan Tower or whatever it's going to be headquarters for the uh, Money in the Bank briefcase. It's going to look like, but um, so I've watched you know some WWE stuff and caught a little bit of uh, AEW here and there. Uh, did see where a, a match in AEW where they you talked about how they had the people on the sidelines, um, and I saw Billy Gunn there on the sideline yeah. and uh, it's done. It's done. Yeah, it, interacting with the with the wrestlers in the ring. And, um, last time I was in an airport, uh, I was in, uh, the, uh, Billy Gunn was in the airport at the same time I was. And okay. it was the night before he debuted in AEW. So, okay. yeah, so he was obviously on his way, uh, flying to, um, wherever, you know, they were taping there. To, it was the night before he debuted, but, um, he, uh, yeah, let's not to tell too much, but um, years and years and years ago, I was at an event sitting on the front row for Raw, and uh, Billy Gunn dropped uh, Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, in my lap, um, and then pointed, wow. at my, yeah, and then pointed in my face and said a few choice words at me because I just took took a picture of them when they were with a flash. That's before you know cell phones, so big, big flash goes off right in their face, and uh, they don't think Billy took too kindly to that. And, so he picked the, the rock up and dropped him right on the rail right in front of me and front half of art with the rock lands in my lap and felt like the world stood still there for a bit and uh, the crowd got quiet. They did not. It was rather loud, but to me it got quiet. Yeah. And uh, then he threw the rock back in the ring and they went on with the show. And um, so my, my wife at the time, she was uh, my girlfriend and she actually was the person who got me those tickets. She was sitting next to me when that happened. And then she was in the, obviously now she's my wife. So she was in the, in the airport with me when we saw uh, Billy Gunn here a few months ago. And um, she was like, 
don't you go over there and ask him um, if he remembers that, <laughs> like you do. I was like, ah, pretty much, pretty. I'm pretty sure he doesn't. I'm pretty sure he doesn't. He uh, remembers that, but I sure remember it. But uh, Stop it, but, man. Good yeah, stuff. It was neat to see him on the sidelines there and uh, interacting with the wrestlers in the ring. It did make the show. That was a, having those just those few people around the ring really made it made a big difference in the entertainment factor. So, I'm glad oh, it's helped. It has helped. Well, thank you, brother Greg, for joining me today on this four questions episode of King of the Cast. Hopefully, we'll all be able to get back together soon as a panel and crown a new King of the Cast. Fans, be sure you're out there following us on Facebook and Twitter at King of the Cast and sending us questions as well as comments and so forth. And um, send us a question you want us to ask during these four questions episodes. We'd uh, love to ask it. Give you credit. So uh, in the meantime, be safe out there. Take care of yourselves. And uh, hopefully soon we'll be at a time where fans can be back in the stands and podcasters can be all back together doing panels. So anyway, everybody be safe out there.